Merry Christmas. Got to work on you Northeasterners, I tell you. Work continues. Too what? Too cold? Yeah, I hear you. I used to sing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, and now it's my reality. As we continue in our Advent series, Manifesting Christ, Christ being born within us, uh, we have looked at hope and love and and joy, and this morning we finish in this fourth Advent Sunday of uh, that part of Christ that He has imparted into us, which is peace. And I want to look this morning at how unlikely uh, this manifestation of peace came from, so The title of this morning's message is Unlikely Peace. Coming out of Isaiah chapter 9, as we read that, if you want to turn in your scriptures to that, it's on page 573 in the Pew Bible, and um, we want to look at that. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, we'll read 1 through 7. As you're turning there, uh, let me just set the scene a little bit. Uh, this is coming um, as a response to God's encounter with King Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, where he has told Isaiah back in, or King Ahaz back in chapter six, to ask him for a sign of deliverance from invading uh, countries, particularly Assyria, that's about to invade and take over northern Israel. And God has come to Ahaz and said, "Ask me for a sign of how I will deliver you." And he has, uh, in his arrogance, responds to the Lord, uh, I wouldn't ask you for a sign. I wouldn't dare ask you for a sign. And, of course, God says, well, you're going to get one anyway, and, and a child will be born. His name shall be Emmanuel. And now God, through the prophet Isaiah, expands even further here in chapter 9 about what that baby's going to look like. So, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, hear the prophet Isaiah. But there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time he bought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the later times he has made a glorious way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have dwelt in deep darkness, on them the light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you and with a joy at the harvest, as they were glad when they divided the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken off as on the day of Midian. Every For every boot of the trampling warrior in the battle of tumult and every garment rolled in blood, will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and of the peace there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of the host shall accomplish this. Would you pray with me? 
Oh Lord God, now as we open up Your words, Lord, Your Word of truth and Your revelation of peace through Your Son, Jesus, as we are in this Advent season, oh God, put at peace my heart. Let my heart be still before You and my mind be still before these Your people that I might rest as I even preach the Gospel of God. O Lord, would You open our ears that we may hear, our eyes that we may see. Lord, should You seek to humble me before mankind, then let Thy will be done. If in my embarrassments You find glory, O God, glorify Thy name. And forgive my sins, O Lord Jesus. In Your name we pray. Amen. Before we get into all of this, I do have a confession to make. It's time. I um, should have done this long ago. It's a besetting part of my life that I need to tell all of you about. I am a chronic Hallmark watcher. I love the Hallmark Channel. I've been known even to change off of NFL football. To watch the ending. Bernie, I see you laughing at me back there. Don't do that. Thanks, brother. I was afraid of losing 10-man card points. My alpha male status. I actually do like it a lot. I do watch it a lot. I've been known to binge on it. But I, but I know why. Because everything always ends so good. Everything comes together. I don't know how they do it, but within the last five minutes of tragedy and separation and delayed kisses, somehow in that last five minutes, everything comes together and everybody leaves happy. The unemployed find employment, the divided find unity, the lovers find who knows what they find. And everything just works out. And it's like shalom. And I know that deep within me, my heart longs for that day where everything will be perfect like Hallmark. And maybe even better. But the truth is, until that time, I don't live in a world of Hallmark and neither do you, do you? And we long to know shalom. We long to know peace. And in the coming of this Lord Jesus to us, through the prophet Isaiah, some 700 years before Christ even comes in the manger, the prophet Isaiah prophesies that the Prince of Peace will come. And in Him and through Him and by Him, you and I can know that peace, not externally, 
We will never live in a world of peace until the return of Christ. But we can live at peace internally in a world that is chaotic and crazy. If we will turn to the Lord, the source of that peace. As we set the scene of this, let me go even a little further because sometimes when we read the Bible, we tend to read the Bible in a, in a small little box of the context of that particular piece of Scripture. And the challenge is as we begin to build belief systems and, and theologies on just a, a short piece of Scripture and not understanding that that Scripture, no matter where it is, whether it's in Genesis or Exodus or even Leviticus or Revelation or Matthew or um, Philemon, all of Scripture fits within the context of a greater narrative, a greater love story that God has unveiled in the 66 books of the Bible of rescuing His people and His Son Jesus. And the command of a people who have been disoriented and disengaged and disunited from Him by sin to turn back to Him and trust Him. Because He loves His people so much in His Son Jesus that He would have you trust no other. And it's evidenced in this Scripture in the way that God addresses King Ahaz. What was King Ahaz up to? Well, he knew the invading hordes were about to come upon Israel and take his throne away from him. And so what he did was this. He went to other nations and started making false alliances with other nations. He went to Egypt and places of the such and said, I'll make a deal with you. You come in and you help protect me against Assyria. And it's in the context of that that the prophet, the man of God, comes to Ahaz and says, Ahaz, don't trust the nations. Don't trust the world. Turn to the Lord. Turn to Yahweh. Because Yahweh wants to deliver you from Assyria. And Ahaz gives lip service to the prophet of God and says, yeah, good message. But I'm going to turn to Egypt anyway. And I'm going to make a religious cloak for myself and say, I wouldn't dare ask God for a sign. And it looks humble on the outside, but on the inside it's a heart of great pride and arrogance that says, I'll trust the world more than I trust the maker of the world. And so he continues with this. And so God says this to him. I'll tell you what, you're going to get a sign anyway. And here's the sign. Because you've trusted the world, the sign is this. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have an infant. I'm going to have someone of great insignificance according to the world. Be your king. I'm going to give you an unlikely monarch who will give an unlikely peace to people. 
I am going to humble you so much. Because the name of this child will be Emmanuel. God is with us. And so God says this, I offer you a peace. I offer you peace from the invading forces. But you will have to trust me more than you trust the likely sources of peace in the world and trust me the unlikely source according to the world's wisdom. And in that you will find peace and deliverance from the evasion. Isaiah says this in 9, 1 and 2, but there will be no more gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into the contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the later times he made a glorious way in the scene and by the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of nations. For the Lord, for the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This Zebulon, this Naphtali are on the northern borders of, of Israel, right up next to Assyria, and right up next to where Median was. And this invading forces would always come through that land of Galilee. And of course, we should start thinking in our minds, wait a minute, wasn't it, wasn't it one of the disciples? Wasn't it possibly it was Andrew or Philip, maybe, that said, can anything good come out of Galilee? And we begin to immediately begin to see that connection between, wait a minute, here's 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah prophesying, prophesying into the future about a great light coming out of the land of Galilee to the place that's invaded first. The first place to see darkness is the first place that will also see light. The first place that feels the tip of the sword is also the first place that will feel the broad band of redemption. Peace from the invading forces. And look at how that peace reveals itself, how it unveils itself. It avails itself in light. Immediately, again, our, our minds may go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning was darkness. It was void. And what's the first thing that God brings into the void and into the darkness? But light. Into the cacophony of nothingness. The horrible sound of no sound. The horrible sound of a void. God brings joyous light into the darkness. And in the same way, He says this land, this Galilean land, because of the invading places of the world, those things that come upon Him, He will bring great light. And that light will expel darkness. And He goes on further to say that their joy will increase. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a great light is shown, and He will multiply the nations and increase their joy. We talked about that last Sunday. That our our magnification of joy in Christ 
Because of what God has done and, and God bringing peace to the land. It allows us the freedom to magnify the joy that is ours in living in a land that is no longer in darkness. But also look too at that joy. It's not just simple joy, but it's abundant. They will rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they were glad when they divided the spoil. There's probably no greater time in an agricultural uh, agricultural uh, culture than the day, the months of harvest, and when the harvest is over. And everything is gathered in. Just like at the end of a Hallmark movie, everything, everything comes into the storehouses. Everything's right. And they would throw a great banquet and a great festival, the festival of harvest. And they would give everyone the distribution of their, of their part of the harvest. God says when, when His peace comes into us, And He expels the darkness in our lives. That darkness doesn't just cease there. It's not a a punctilio or a a defining event in our lives, but it's an ongoing expulsion of darkness. It's an ongoing display of peace. It's an ongoing tree of joy that comes out of us that never ends in bearing forth the abundant fruit of the peace of God in our lives. Because God deals with and stops the invading forces that come into the homeland. What's invading your life right now? Where are the places of disruption in your life? Where are those events that are stealing and robbing you and I of the peace that is ours in God? And should we not remember and recall in those dark spots of our life? It is where God shines the brightest if we will turn to Him and not to our own means. If we will trust Him more than we trust anything seen or unseen in the entire universe. Oh, hear me clearly. Things that were physical laws, they're great. We should look at them. I know all my engineers in here are perking up at that. I believe in physical law. I think we ought to, we ought to count on, you know, that what stays in mo, what goes in motion stays in motion until it's hit by some I forgot opposite force or detracting force, whatever it is. If you're a mathematician, I I believe that two and two equals four. I really do. If you are a physician, if I get sick, I'm calling you. I think you've got some stuff made from a tree that could probably help me. But you have to remember, even two and two equaling four is a discovery. It's a revelation. It's not an invention. We didn't come up with that. We found out about it. 
What I'm saying is this. What God's Word is saying is this. That all those things are good, but they're secondary. That until we go to the primary source of peace, we'll never know the wisdom of how to use the secondary sources. And if we go to the secondary sources to find our peace, we'll always be in turmoil. Because we never or we've ignored the primary source. So in those dark places of our lives, in those invasions, let me ask you, where do you go first? To your wisdom? To the wisdom of the world? To the wisdom of the x-ray machine? the wisdom of compound interest? Or do you first go to the source and say, God, above all other things, above all other people, above all other circumstances, I look to You to be my peace. I look to You to protect me. I look to You to save me. I look to You to give me wisdom. I look to You for sustenance. I look to You for what's next. I look to You to be a light into my path. I look to Your Word, O God, to to give me the sword of truth, the breastplate of righteousness that Paul would talk about in Ephesians, so that I might live in this chaotic world that invades upon me and wants to steal my peace all the time. That I might stand against it. But not in the power of Egypt. Not in the power of the world. Not in the power of my bank account. Not in the power or lack thereof in my checkbook. But in the power of the One who has ultimate power and directs all paths and saves His people. Maybe you have thought God has forgotten you. But don't you know as we preach the Gospel, even in this Roman series, that you are in Christ and to forget you, God would have to forget Christ. It's not possible for the omniscient and the omnipotent God to forget you. He would have to forget Himself. He knows where you are. He knows what's disrupting you. He knows your fears. He knows what causes your peace to be disrupted. And He says, child, child of mine, turn to Me. And I will give you a peace that passes understanding. I will protect you from those things that invade upon your life to rob you of the security that you have in Me. But understand this. He's serious about this. Ahaz refused to acknowledge God. 
and Ahaz lost his throne. God is serious that His people trust Him above all others. Not only does He have give us peace from an invasion, but peace in the conquering King. He goes on to describe what this child is going to look like, if you'll turn with me into verse 4. For the yoke of His burden and the staff for His shoulder, the rod of His oppressor, you have broken as in the days of Midian. What's, what's Isaiah talking about there? Well, remember back to Judges chapter 6 and the judge Gideon. Many of you will remember this story. It's the story of throwing out the fleece. And the Midianites are coming in to invade Israel. And God says to Midian or Gideon, Gideon, uh, this isn't Will Gideon, this is his grandfather, Gideon. It says, Gideon, I want you to... Uh, be one of the judges to stand against this Midian empire. And Gideon's response to God is, Well, God, I'm the smallest of all the clans of Israel. Uh, why are you calling on me? We're the weakest. We're the smallest. And God's basically telling him, Because Gideon, I'm going to show my might and my power through the smallest. And so Gideon steps up to the plate. And you remember then that Gideon goes, Lord, I've got 30,000 men here. We're ready to go. And God says to Gideon, that's too many. Gideon freaks out. God says, take them away. And he gets them down to the smallest number. And that's what Isaiah is looking back at. God's coming to protect you. And he doesn't need an army to do it with. Because he has his king. The king is his son. This baby that would come. This one we celebrate at Christmas. And this is the larger narrative that I was talking about in the great love story of God that way back in Genesis, God proclaims he's going to send the seed. He's going to see the seed of a woman. And this, the seed of this woman is going to come at earth just at the right time. Just at the particular point in history where He's supposed to come. Just at the place where all of the celestial beings are on the tip of their toes looking, what is God going to do? And it's what we so casually kind of look at as Christmas. And not realizing that it's an advent of the coming King onto the earth. That 700 years prior to His coming, Isaiah says He's going to come. And right at the right time, for unto us a child is, is born. And this child is the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of end. He is the Ancient of Days. He's the One who has come. He is the conquering King. He came for the very purpose not to remain an innocent baby, but to take our sin upon Him that He might be crucified on the cross and once and for all finally deal the death blow to death. And to establish a love affair with His people. that His people would call Him wonderful. 
counselor. You see, God doesn't say just turn to me and hope that I hear you. Turn to me and hope that I'll take care of the invasion. Turn to me. But He says, no, I'm giving you Myself. I'll be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. So much so that I will give you counsel. Immediately our ears should perk up and say, isn't that what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? That He would leave a helper, a counselor with us to illuminate all that God has said and His Word so that we can have peace that God is in our circumstances counseling us along the way. But not only is He just a counselor, but it says He's a wonderful counselor. Interesting word in the Hebrew because the root word of this word wonderful for the Hebrew is the word that means supernatural. Heavenly. Celestial. We don't have a counselor who's limited and finite in his humanness. But we have one who is also fully God. Who gives us the counsel as human but also God. And so we come to our Mediator Christ, our conquering King, the wonderful, the supernatural Counselor to tell us what to do. To illuminate our path by what He has said and the commandments that He has given us so that we might have peace. Oh, if we would only really truly trust the promises of God in Christ Jesus. How our disruptions would disappear. How our conflicts would resolve. How our confrontations would be so less confrontational. How our relationships would be more secure how our days would be filled with less anxiety if we would turn to the promises of God in Christ Jesus and live faithfully to what He's promised to do. Oh, it's contrary to the world. I know it's hard because it's contrary to the flesh. It's exactly the opposite of most of the things we've been taught in life. Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. (laughs) When you're struck on the one cheek, turn the other. If someone asks for your coat, give them your shirt as well. (laughs) Be not afraid. Be anxious for nothing. Why? Because I've promised. I'll give you a peace that passes understanding. Go through that perspective first before you get to all the worldly stuff. And you'll find your life less anxious, more joyful, able to love, and with certain hope.
He's the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Shalom. And on the government, on his, I'm sorry, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. You see, what it starts in us internally, as we live in this world of boots marching like in the days of Midian, that word boots actually means turmoil, I'm sorry, the word turmoil there, turmoil, thanks. That word actually means earthquake. The Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, is governing us in the midst of the earthquake, bringing us to deliverance, to where that which is internal of us one day will be our external. That as we live in this chaos that they call the earth, the day is coming in this child where we will live under the rule of the Prince of Peace forever and ever. And His kingdom shall be established. Not only is there peace in the conquering king, but there's peace in the establishment of what the king has done of the increase of His government, the peace there will be no end. Because why? Because the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Have you ever been really excited about doing something? I mean, have you ever been like really fired up? Yeah. Maybe it's running a marathon. Maybe it's... And, and you get through and you realize, man, I accomplished it. I set out, I feel great about this. I have a, a zeal to do this. Just for the sake of the accomplishment of it. You know how good you feel when you've got that zeal, you've got that passion? Can you imagine how exponentially more God's zeal must be? How incredibly vast his passion must be to do what? To accomplish peace for you. So that in all of the circumstances, God's zeal, God's passion is to calm the earthquake in your life. To give you counsel. To give you shalom. And to ultimately bring you to the land of shalom. Through the one who came from Galilee. That baby born in Bethlehem. Who is now the Alpha and Omega reigning with all authority on heaven and earth. If our eyes are on Him, if our heart is in Him, then we realize that the One who has all authority, not some, but all authority in heaven and earth, then everything else in the disturbances below Him must be, have to be, under His sovereign control. And there's nothing going on in your life or in my life 
that His peace cannot subside within us. Because He has conquered it as the King of all kings. Even death itself has been extinguished. by the one who conquered the grave. R.A. Torrey, who was the founder of Biola, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles, shortly after praying and deciding to do this, his daughter died within a couple of days. His 12-year-old daughter died a couple of days after. And as he was mourning her loss the day after her burial, he says a great joy and a great peace came upon him. Oh, his heart was broken over his daughter, but he said the joy and the peace came because I know that the King of Kings reigns over even death. And my daughter lives. So what must we do to live in the King's peace? First of all, you and I, we must humble ourselves before the Lord. There there comes a day where everyone who wants this peace must come before the throne of God and say, God, you're smarter than me. God, I think I'm smarter than you. I think I have better answers than you have. But the truth is, God, I don't. I need to quit looking to myself and looking to others and first look to you. And that takes humility on our part because that's contrary to who we are. And when I get distressing news, I tell you the first place I go is up here. I'll figure it out when the first place I really need to go is right here. To fall on my knees and say, God, you know better about this than I do. Show me what to do. Tell me how to handle it. Put me at peace. And then once the Lord does reveal, and it may take days, it may take months, it may take years, but once the revelation comes... I need to live under the gentle hand of the Lord. That's a nice way of saying I need to obey what I've heard. I need to trust in the promises of God. Maybe you've never done this. Maybe you've never, like, just start with the New Testament. Start with one of the Gospels and just go through them with a a highlighter. And if you don't like writing in your Bible, do it on... Do it on your computer screen and use your little highlighter tab. And highlight all the promises that God gives you. Just highlight them. If God says, I will be with you, highlight that. God's, God's with me. If God says, I'll protect you, highlight that. If God says, I'm coming back, highlight that. If God says, He's with you, highlight that. If God says, I have all authority in heaven and earth, highlight that. And then begin to trust the promises of God in your life. And then lastly, out of Matthew 7, I mean, we just do simple stuff. What Jesus said to do, we ask, we seek, 
and we knock. Why? Because Jesus has promised He'll answer. It's in that answer that was ever invading us. Even if it's our own pride disturbing us. He will give you a peace that passes understanding. His peace. Not the peace of the world does He give you and I. But His peace. Love, hope, love, joy, peace. These are the things of Advent of Christ that are to manifest themselves in us and from us. We are to born Christ out of us. May it be so this Advent season as we come into Christmas Eve. Christ born in us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus.